Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Freaking first cut. Golly! Welcome to the First Cut Podcast. I'm Rick Gaiman, and this is not only your DFS preview for this week's Waste Management, but also small little recap for that Monday finish at Pebble Beach. Sia Najad is here. Hello, Sia. How is everybody doing today? Congratulations to Justin Rose. I certainly didn't see that coming, but I feel like maybe, Greg, it was you, and I hate to precede your introduction, but you've been talking about Justin Rose for a couple of weeks now, from what I recall. Well, he did. Um, and welcome, everybody. Um, he did, by the way, uh, he was my one and done pick this week. Um, so I know we'll get to that in a little bit. I will spoil it now. He was my one and done play. So, yeah, I loved Rosie this week. Uh, he's been trended in the right direction. We talked about it on Monday in our last DFS episode. If you remember, it was the kind of pale sheet from Rosie, but the results were getting really good. And that's what I liked. Every area of his game seemed to be in decent shape. And I thought it was a really good course fit for him. And, um, and this time I guess it worked out. Uh, that's Greg Ducharme. Greg, I'll just bounce this right back to you. They finished the final round of the AT&T, AT&T Pebble Beach Pro-Am on Monday morning, uh, just a couple hours ago, if you're watching this live on YouTube. And there was, I guess, a little bit of like, oh, will he, won't he? You know, it's hard to sleep on a lead in general, but you have to come out and hit a shot from the middle of the fairway. And Rosie didn't miss a beat. He played well. He was hooping putts left and right. And it was a pretty, pretty easy walk for him. Uh, the rest of the way. Yeah, he got off to a great start with a really nice, um, a really nice putt at 11, which was really big. And it it wasn't going to be a walk in the park if he didn't make some birdies because Brendan Todd made that seven footer right away, which you talked about last night, Rick. And so all of a sudden it's it's pretty tight. And Rosie had to make a putt for par at 10. Um, which he he got in there, and then and then when he made the putt at eleven, things really kind of opened up for him, um, and he made another nice one at twelve. And so those two birdies back to back. I'm sorry, he didn't make. He made another one at thirteen. Thirteen. Yeah. Um, so those two in in three holes, he also birdied fourteen. It really set the bar pretty high, and because there were so limited holes left. Uh, especially for a guy like Brendan Todd, who was close um, and and anybody who posted like uh, Danny McCarthy, they didn't really have a chance because he got some circles on the card right away. So it, yeah, it made for a, it made for a really nice, I'm sure an enjoyable walk for Justin Rose. 26 foot birdie putt on 11 and 19 footer for birdie on 13. Those were a couple of the highlights from this morning and see it puts Justin Justin Rose back in the winner's circle for the first time in four long years. 2019 Farmers Insurance Open was the last time he hoisted a trophy. And it's good to have Justin Rose back on the map in a real way, in a non-pale way, if, if you if you will. And Greg, it's funny because I'm I'm just now recalling that conversation that we had about Justin Rose and, and that pale coloring. And I guess that's what I need to be looking for this week is pale as opposed <laughs> I, to dark green. I, I don't know about that. <laughs> but the, the point is, no, I think this is really good for golf, for the PGA Tour. It's really good for Justin Rose. It's really good that with a tournament that just... It just wasn't a good tournament. And a lot of that was circumstantial. Listen, I don't like the three-course rotation. And then you had the amateurs thrown in. And then you had this played over five days instead of four and, and the weather issues. But to have Justin Rose emerge, as opposed to like a Brandon Wu, it's no offense to any other name that was like somewhere near the top of the leaderboard. But I think it's good, especially for a guy like Justin Rose, who, you know, people would want like would him and let's say, you know, Adam Scott, for example, like there's a lot of these somewhat older golfers or at least older compared to some of the new guys in here that were speculated to go over to live. Some stayed and Justin Rose is kind of showing the fruits of his, his uh, willingness to stay on the PGA tour. I mean, it's absolutely worked out for him. And I, I think it's just a really good thing for Justin Rose and that ilk of golfer. 
Brendan Todd, Brandon Wu tied for second. Denny McCarthy, Keith Mitchell, Peter Malnati in a three-way tie for fourth. Then a four-way tie for seventh with Pendrith, Kevin Yu. Great week, Kevin Yu. Ryan Moore, Joseph Bramlett. That's your top 10 at the AT&T Pebble Beach Pro-Am. Troy, show me all the red on that betting board. We did not have a very good time here. Oh boy, that's a lot of red. Patrick did save us from a complete whiff of the board by getting Seamus Power over Tom Hoagie. But two... To pa- in Patrick's defense, um, we did not know about the Matt Fitzpatrick like injury stuff that he had when we recorded this, and he was basically all in on Matt Fitzpatrick. See ya. So didn't really end well for him, and it didn't really end well for us either. Well, I, I got to admit, so I do a show with uh, with Coach and Patrick McDonald Wednesdays at three o'clock early edge PGA show, and. I got most of my picks read as well. Like this is just one of those tournaments. I mean, listen, I'll I'll take some accountability and as should everybody who misses a bet, but this was a really weird tournament on so many levels that I don't really think we need to rehash, but yeah, the Matt Fitzpatrick thing that that's certainly, you know, the, the potential neck issue that certainly didn't help. It was a fade for me in DFS, but I can understand where people were at from a betting standpoint. Listen, this was just a weird tournament. I think this week coming up to Phoenix and really kind of the rest of the way it sets up for, a lot less variance in a high variance sport. Uh, we did much better on the best bets, Greg. The money balls. There we go. Two out of three in the green. Fitzpatrick, top 20 for Patrick. That did not hit. But Kyle got Victor over Maddie Fitzpatty and Seamus Power inside the top 20, plus 125 on that one. Man, uh, for Kyle, he might have known a little more than we did about the injury stuff. Um, I liked Matt Fitzpatrick, too. So um, there's no takeaway there, but that turned out to be a great play. And you have been just eating up the top 20 plays this year. Yeah. Um, which is which is really nice. Um, so yeah, the the injury for Matt Fitzpatrick seems to be a, a real staple in the betting cards for this week. The one and done update. So a little messy, a little all over the place. Um, let's start with. Are these in order? Okay, they are. So. Kyle M went with Joel Damon. Actually, both the Kyles did. They got 31,950. So Kyle M remains in eighth. That's 288,000. Kyle Porter uh, did not close the gap. I guess technically he did close the gap on Mark, but not enough. Uh, The fans opted for Tom Hoagie. That was only 22,000. So they didn't really move. See, uh, you and I, hey, 146,000 from Seamus Power, I'll take it. Yeah, I'll take it. You know, he had that stretch, and I'm trying to remember the days. I think it was day three where he was having a troubling hole. I think he yeah, missed he, a par putt, he, and then he walked right up to it. Go ahead. He, we were going live on HQ and they're like, Hey, what's your, like, what's your pick to win? So like, you know, like 30 minutes before you go on air, you like give a pick to win. And we we get on there. They're like, okay, let's do a live look in. They go oh, to Seamus Power, three putting from four and a half feet after I had just told them Seamus Power was my pick to win. <laughs> and I'm sitting here like watching my guy miss a four and a half footer, miss an 18 incher, like brutal. If they had showed any footage from prior to that, he was on fire. Like he was really approaching the, not that he would have won necessarily, but he was really like on a hot streak. And those are the kinds of things that can really crush you. And for the record, when he walked up to that, that second putt, I was like, he's doing it too quick. I mean, it was just one of those things. He, he hadn't like balanced his body yet. He was barely like over the ball at that point. And, and I wasn't surprised at all. And the, and the announcers didn't seem very surprised that he missed it either the way he, he went after it. So that's just one of those things, live and learn. I, I think I think power, honestly, if not for that hole, could have been in the top 10 at least. 146,250 for Seamus. Uh, Mark at the top of the board got zero. Mav McNeely withdrew. Uh, in the middle of his third round. That's $0. Matt Fitzpatrick got Patrick zero. And Greg, as we have discussed, the full $1.62 million from Justin Rose to vault you into third, $2.2 million overall. Yeah, uh, very pleased with that. Um, Now, the state of one and done has changed dramatically with the... Uh, with designated events. But I will say 
to get uh one to to get over a million dollars with Justin Rose. Yeah. I don't think that I can do any better. That's that's um, the most valuable pick of the year so far. Right. Sure. And yeah, you had to burn Rom for century. And I, I don't know if he can do better than that. I don't know what exactly the winning purses are. So, and, and, you know, Mark and Kyle, who had Rom at century, um, they did very well too. And that's why they're up there near the top. But this, this is a, a really nice win because it just, it keeps me in touch. But I know going forward, as we all do, this really just comes down to weeks like we have this upcoming week uh, and, and the following week. And whoever wins the designated events is probably going to win this one and done. Yes, lots of money on the line the next uh, two weeks and like three out of the next four and like five out of the next six. It's going to be, <laughs> it's going to be, someone's going to have $10 million in five weeks and we're all going to be looking up at them. I hope it's, I hope it's me, but we'll yeah, there's a chance for a runaway from anybody. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Kyle M could went, knock off a couple of these and run away. Yes. So there's a lot of golf left to be played. Yes. All right. We're going to do a little bit of a soft reset here. Turn our attention to Pebble Beach. Jump in, or excuse me. No, we left Pebble Beach. Nope. Turn our attention to Phoenix, TPC Scottsdale, and go through the DFS board. But first, we're going to take a quick break and hear a word from our partners. And we're back. Okay. Let's reset. We've got a new event ahead. It's TPC Scottsdale. It's an absolutely stacked field. Sia, here is uh, my website, rickrungood.com. It's the course key stats model. And especially since they kind of redesigned this a handful of years ago, this has kind of turned into a true test. You see a lot of tee to green stuff here. You see the top, the cream rising to the top of the leaderboards much more often. Yeah, I mean, I think this chart, I mean, in terms of my modeling, this chart is really consistent with what I'm looking for. I mean, obviously the T to green stats come in. I'm, I'm kind of breaking it down, obviously, a little bit more, and so is everybody. Uh, but off the T is going to be important for me approaching the green. I do think when you say true test, it is. And so when you get these fields, it's usually consistent with – I mean, it's different now, but it's usually consistent with – the actual course being a true test, frankly. And so I think the around the green, the scrambling play is definitely going to come in. Putting, probably not so much. I think that's been a little bit more random at this event. But yeah, I'm definitely looking for the well-rounded golfer. But if I'm putting an emphasis on anything, it's ball striking, it's it's off the tee, and it's approach play. You know, I got a little excited there. I probably should have told everyone who's listening that the fan one and done is now available. You can go get your vote in for this week's one and done. We're going early tomorrow. Yeah, that's right. Another early one. Uh-oh. Uh, 8 a.m. Eastern time, Sia Najad. Uh, oh, no. I'll have to do it tonight. And, Damn and it. The race period is over. <laughs> You're yeah. right. All get right. Those, get those picks in. Get your picks in, please. Uh, Greg, I'm looking at my model here. And this, you know, we've talked about how this works. It, it builds the types of golfers that have success at every single golf course. And I don't know if I could find another course where strokes gained off the tee, strokes gained approach, strokes gained around the green, essentially the tee to green stats are all ranked 15th or lower, meaning there's only, you know, 14 or fewer golf courses where those three things are more important to get all three of them on, on that end of the spectrum is, is fairly rare. Yes, I I would say so as well. Um, And in a way it's almost a perfect PGA tour venue. Right. From our perspective here in a, in the DFS community, this is exactly how you would classify the best players. Now you have the best players on a course that's the best for them. Um, you don't have really variable weather for the most part. It, it's very rare when you get a rainstorm like the year Ricky Fowler won. I mean, this is pretty much dome golf. You have greens that roll at a, a really nice speed. You only have one golf course you have to play. Uh, it's It's got plenty of length, uh, but not too much length. So there, there are so many, you got water, you have some some daunting shots, you have some, uh, some really scary shots, some intimidating shots. Uh, and at the same time, you have a lot of birdie opportunities as well. So it's almost like a perfect golf course for the modern PGA tour game. And a couple things that I was looking at when it comes to the winners, um, if you go back in the last six, the last six winners, um, four of six of them were top three for the week in strokes gain approach, mm. um, which is 
Yeah, pretty good. I mean, Scotty Scheffler last year was an exception, but he was fourth for the year last year. Uh, he was also second in putting for the week last week. Uh, the other exception is Ricky Fowler, who was 20th approaching the green. Uh, he was first in putting. So it, it's Tita Green is huge, but I put an even greater emphasis on approach play. Um, and, you know, you look at these guys who won Scotty, Kepka, Simpson, Ricky, uh, Woodland, and then Hideki twice in those years that they won. Uh, six of those seven players were top 25 during that year of their win. Uh, so th- these are great ball strikers. They're great iron players. Uh, and and that's who wins here. Sometimes you need a little putt in. I, I think a guy like Patrick Cantlay could probably make up for any lapses in approach play if, if he doesn't fit that mold uh, with great putt in. Um, but, but those are really the two areas that my focus goes to. If you don't have really strong approach play, it better be uh, out of this world putt in. Uh, Justin Ray had a tweet just 35 minutes ago that got my juices flowing. It says, since 2010, players who win at the WM Phoenix Open have gained 65% of their strokes versus the field via the ball striking categories, the highest rate of any regularly played course in that span. Yes, sir. Yeah. Let's let's talk ball strikers. Uh, and let's just dive right into this, this board here. And it's stacked. As you can imagine. So five golfers over $10,000. John Rahm, $11,000 leads the way. Rory McIlroy, 10-8. Scotty Scheffler, 10-3. Tony Finau, 10-1. And Sia Xander Shoffley, an even $10,000. How would you like to spend our big bucks at the top of the board? This is really tough for obvious reasons. I mean, it's hard to make an argument against any of these guys. I will say from a lineup construction standpoint, it's really hard to make lineups because I think, you know, most people are going to want to grab a guy in this range and then a guy in the 9K range. What that's going, I'm just like laying it out for everybody. What that's going to leave you, generally speaking, is somewhere between like $7,200 and $7,400, depending on how far up and how far down you go in those two ranges. So it's really hard to build, like you're grabbing two 10K guys. It's, you can try it if you want, if you really believe in some 6K guys and, and flat 7K guys, but it's tough. So I, I got to choose like one of these guys that I really, really love. That's, that's what I feel like at least. And, and I hate to do it, but I think it's John Rahm. I just I just love how he's playing and I love how everybody's playing, of course, but he seems like the safest option with the requisite upside. The problem is he's eleven thousand. I mean, listen, you can make arguments for Rory and Scotty. And I think Scotty is interesting because I think people are going to want to gravitate towards Rom or Roy to start their lineups. And I think that's just going to leave a void for some of these other guys in the 10K range, including guys like Xander Shoffley. So I'm not saying they're going to be super low owned, but I just feel like most people are going to want to grab one of those two guys and run. If it makes you feel any better, John Rahm is the cheapest he's been at the WM Phoenix Open in five years, and he's cheaper than he was last start at Torrey Pines, and he's got uh, almost as good of a course history in Phoenix as he does in La Jolla, if you're if you're interested in that. So it's, it is 11000 It's the most expensive, but we've seen Rahm go for, go for more. All right, Greg. Um, we've got to vote for Rahm. Where yeah. are you going? You know, the um, this is one of those strange situations where I don't think you can fade this range, uh, but I don't think there's a bad play in this range. The big question to me is, do you think the winner is in this range? Um, can I ask a question? Because this is I was thinking, Greg, I'm sorry to interrupt you. I was thinking of this. Oh. And listen, I know Rick Run Good can do like everything. Is there a way for us to know? what the win equity from your site or anywhere else. And maybe this is an obvious question to understand what the win equity is 10 K and above, because I was also kind of contemplating the idea of, of starting the nine K range. It doesn't make a lot of sense though, with well, this field, I can, I can add it up for you. Right. So, I mean, if you want to vamp for a minute, I can, uh, I, I can add up so I can take the implied odds for what these guys, what their, what their Vegas numbers are and tell you how much win equity is in the 10 K range. Is that what we're looking for? Yes, and Greg, I, I had already interrupted Greg, so we can vamp for for days if we want to. 
Yeah, I I can vamp. I can vamp as long as you'd like. Um, but th- I'm, this is I'm, I'm ready. All right. Uh, <laughs> really? All right, go ahead. Let's get it out of the way. Uh, so with the caveat that um, there is obviously going to be some take built into this, some hold built into this from the sports books, where it's not going to add up to 100. percent It's going to add up to like 120. percent But the top five guys, Rom, Rory, Scotty, Tony, Xander, their combined win equity is 39. Nine percent. That's with Prob- the, that's with the hold though, right? Yeah, so it's probably closer to like thirty. Okay. Okay. So you're saying there's about a thirty percent chance that one of those five guys wins this tournament? That's correct. Uh, it's it's only five guys, so it, it's really hard to pass on the range entirely. So here's here's another question, because look, we could talk all day about why these guys are so good. But the bottom line is all of them check all the boxes. They've all been playing really well. They've all have recent contention. They all have great iron play. They all have very, very good putting. They all have very good off the tee play. Um, so the the next question to me is um, when you start to look at this range, well, one, one way to do it, and I do this all, all the time, is save this range for last. <laughs> So take a look at the 9K guys. There are guys somewhere there you can't pass up. Um, is there somebody, you know, are there a couple 7K guys you like, you you really like? Do you have to make a play in the 8K range? See where see where you leave yourself. Is there a really low-end 6K guy you think could have a good chance? Because I think there are some options down there for, um, for a, a pretty educated chance. So w- w- what you're left with, after you create five other players is a great way to do it in this range. And then you just click the name because any of them can, can step up there and do it. Um, so I would definitely think about that. Um, the other thing, uh, what else was I going to say in this range? I mean, there, there is one guy that has bad course history. I mean, at least compared to the other four, right? I mean, it's, it's Tony. Do we have anything to say about that? I mean, no, he has a second place, but I mean, a, a lot of miscuts spread around there compared to the other yeah. guys. It's not even close. But is this one of those cases? Is this one of those cases where he's a different player? I know he missed the cut last year. I guess he's not a, really a different player last year. I don't know. He's, but he's, his he's putting kind of, is different. He's kind of gotten a lot better. He's gotten a lot better. Does it really help you? I mean, I I will say this. If you go with my strategy and uh, you play everybody else and then you you see what you're left with, let's just say you can't get Rom, McElroy, or Scheffler, who are probably your best three options. I think I would take Shoffley over Fino um, if if I had the option between those two. Um, If I can get any of the three guys on top, and I feel really good about the other five players in my lineup, um, I would take them, including Scotty Scheffler. Um, So I guess I'll just order it to give you something. Yeah, let's do that. Um, I'll go Rory, Rom, Scheffler, Shoffley, Fino. Rory, Rom, Scheffler, Shoffley, Fino. That's kind of hard to say. Okay. Yeah. Uh, that's probably the order I would put them in. I'm interested to see, Sia, what is like, is everybody going to play either Rom or Rory? Because I'm happy to play Scotty Scheffler in a scenario in which he is the lowest owned of the five. I just don't know how likely that scenario is going to be. That's what I was going to ask, by the way. I mean, I think he's lower owned of the top three for sure. I just don't know what the drop off is going to be necessarily. I mean, the one thing that Scotty has going for him is is that it's a pretty big drop off from Rom to to Scotty in terms of price and and Roy to, to Scotty because that 500 is going to be necessary in this tournament. So I I think what we're going to see is Scotty and Finau are probably the two lower owned guys of the five. I think people get to Rom first, then Rory from an ownership standpoint, then Xander, and then. Well, 
I think Xander and Scotty will be about tied. I mean, I think those three are going to be about like in the same range. Uh, Scotty Scheffler obviously won last year. He's back to defend. First of four title defenses coming up for Scotty Scheffler and a T7 in 2021. Obviously, we know he's been playing great despite not hoisting a trophy. Oh, my God. It's been so long since he's won the Masters. Oh, my God. (laughs) Yeah, well, by the way, Rick, that's one other way to narrow down this field. If you apply my rule of never picking the defending champion, right? It's an option. Now you're down to four guys. Now you're down to four guys. Well, I'm going to knock the top five out of this thing and go on down to the 9K range. It's Max Homa, fresh off his victory at Torrey Pines, Justin Thomas, Colin Morikawa, Patrick Cantlay, and the bottom of the range is Hideki, Victor Hovland, Sung J.M., Tom Kim, and that pesky Matt Fitzpatrick who got us all last week with that neck thing on Wednesday. Sia, um, spend my 9,000s, please. This is such a good range, which is why I, I asked the the win equity question, because I don't want to start my lineup here, but I feel like I'm going to end up starting at least a couple lineups here. OK, so at the top, Max Homa's price is so interesting to me, and I wonder if ownership's going to be lower because people deem him too high above guys like, uh, let's say, Colin Morikawa, for example, or, or Patrick Cantlay. And that's kind of where I'm going. I mean, as we look at, man, Homa's approach numbers at the uh, Farmers were, were pretty impressive. He's been impressive all around, obviously. Yeah, with, he's been stellar. With that said, to for me, the two guys I like the most are Colin Morikawa and Patrick Cantley. I mean, you're talking about ball striking, and you're also talking about a, a, a course that – I don't want to say it's easy, but, you know, scoring potential is going to be there. So some of the things I'm looking at are are scoring, whether it's opportunities or DK scoring or scoring on par fives, you name it. And, and we talked about at the front end of the show, ball strikers. I mean, Colin Morikawa is a ball striker. I just think he's a really good person to fit into your lineup at 9,700. I don't think he's going to be uber popular, I, although I do think people like him both in the, in the outright market and the DFS market. Cantlay I like because we haven't seen him. And so, I mean, we've seen him once, but I, I think that's going to be one of those guys that gets forgotten a little bit and we know he can catch fire too. So I don't, you know, if I'm making a few lineups, he's definitely in at least one of them. I don't know if I can, if I have the guts to put him in my like primary lineup because I haven't seen enough of him lately. I mean, a T26 isn't super impressive in the, in the one time we've seen him, but if ownership's going to be low, I like Patrick quite a bit. Uh, I'm ready for the Morikawa win, right? A guy who yep. gains guy who gains 10 strokes ball striking at the Farmers, finishes runner up at the Tournament of Champions. He's putting well. Um, looks like he's looks like he's back to me, Greg. Uh, he is my guy this week for sure. And and you could, can you not picture a world where he's in up in that 10k range? I mean, he fits right. right in with those guys. So I'm I'm in a place where I start my lineup with Morikawa. And I try to figure out how I can get one of the players above him into the mix, which could include Max Holm. I love Max Holma too. I mean, the three guys I really like in this range would be, um, and I, I like Cantlay too, but um, but Morikawa, Homa, and Tom Kim, I also really like. I guess my one concern with Morikawa is his ownership. Are people going to jump on I mean he has two top three finishes a second and a third the last two times we've seen him uh the the approach play is phenomenal he rates out as one of the best iron players in in pretty much any way you slice it up right you go last 24 rounds last 100 rounds last uh you know 12 or whatever whatever the number is Morikawa is right up there with the best of the best when it comes to the iron play and if you're like me and that's where you go, you think that's the most important aspect, then Colin Morikawa is your guy. Um, he's also gained strokes in his last two events putting. I, I think there's a lot of really, really positive signs with him. And I'm sure he's hungry still after two, um, you know, two close calls where he, he's not holding the trophy. Yeah, probably should have won in Maui, but ends up finishing runner up and then gets close again at Torrey Pines. The bottom of this range, Sia, um, it's it's Tom Kim, it's Sung JM, it's Matt Fitzpatrick. Are we foregoing those three or what are our thoughts about the bottom half of this? I like Sung JM and Tom Kim quite a bit. I, I just wonder how much I'm I'm going to get there with those guys, knowing that I like guys like Tom, um, Colin Morikawa. I think Tom Kim's interesting because as good as he's been, I think the fact that he hasn't played here before is going to keep ownership maybe a little lower than perhaps it should be. And, you know, he doesn't have the distance that people are probably yearning for in this range specifically. 
But I think Tom Kim is just like an animal. I, I, like we talked about it, right? I don't need to rehash it. I mean, he's good on any course, obviously. So I, I don't think he's going to be quite as popular as he should be, which is why I kind of like him. And I like Sung Jay too. I think Sung Jay's a little under the radar for some reason. And when you see all these 9K names, I mean, th- there's a lot of sexy names here. And I, I feel like Sung Jae is just going to get squeezed out of that conversation. I mean, even Hideki in this range, people are going to want to play because of his history. We already talked about Cantley and Colin Morikawa, Max Homa. You go down to Tom Kim, who people like. Victor Hovland, of course, people are going to like. So you can't play everybody. I think Sung Jae ownership is going to be relatively low. So I, I think he's really interesting to me. And he's got good history here as well. You think the six and a half strokes on approach that Colin gained at Torrey was cool? Sung Jae gained seven, and he's a much better putter all the time. So. Yeah, and he lost off the tee, which is rare. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, got a, I got a general question here. Because okay. I could see Tom Kim. I could draw Tom Kim comparisons to Webb Simpson when Webb won here, where they're you know, Webb stand is the guy that stands out without the distance of the recent winners in this event. Um, and and it, if I'm sure when we talked about Webb winning, we talked about his skill set and all the other ways. So the question is, could you put Morikawa in your mind or Holma, either one of those two guys, as a 10K guy, as a blue chip player? Um, I, I know we all agree that they fit into that class. Could you? Could you start a lineup with a uh, Morikawa or Homa, one of those two, and and a Tom Kim? Would you would you get an edge on the general public by fading the entire 10K range? I know that's risky. I know we talked about the win equity in there, but I, that win equity has got to go up a lot if you include Tom Kim and Morikawa or Homa and Morikawa uh, into that top six players. Oh, I, I, I agree with the sentiment. I mean, pricing is like largely arbitrary. We have such a talented field. Not everybody can be 10 K, but I think Cantlay's in that conversation too, in terms of a guy like, listen, if he had played on the front end of this or two of the last, however many tournaments there have been since uh, the turn of the year, I, I think, he could also be 10,100 if he performed really well at the farmers, for example, or, right. or, or last week's tournament. So from a talent standpoint, I think Colin, Cantlay and perhaps Max Homa all deserve to be in that 10K conversation in terms of are these guys good enough to be in that conversation? To continue the win equity discussion, you know, it's not like you can play all five guys in the 10K range. Um, right. And if you played, so Homa and Sungjae or Homa and Tom Kim combined have about an 8% win equity, which is more than any individual golfer besides Rom and Rory, right? So you're basically getting two cracks at it. You see what I'm, you see where I'm going with this? I do. Um, So there are, you know, if we're playing the win equity game, there are ways that you can, that you can do this. Like uh, Homa and Tom Kim would be better than, for example, Tony Finau and like Taylor Montgomery. Right. Which is right. I'd have to go something like that. Right. That makes a lot of sense. I, I don't think that's a bad option with the um, the recent performance and the skill sets of these players in the 9K range. Okay. Mm-hmm. Let's continue this conversation, the 8s, the 7s, and the 6s. But first, we're going to take a quick break and hear a word from our partners. And we're back. 8,000s. Cam Young, back from the Saudi International runner-up finish. Jordan Spieth, who played at Pebble last week. Sam Burns, Sahith. Terrell Hatton, Taylor Montgomery, Shane Lowry, and the final two. These guys are fun. Tommy Fleetwood, Ricky Fowler. All right, Greg, I'll give you first crack at this range. Where do you want to go? I am okay with skipping this range entirely um, for one. I I don't think there's anybody here that you have to – I don't feel like there's anybody I have to play in this range. That being said – uh, I think there are some really good options. I, um, I think Cam Young, who you just typed in, is a really good option. Uh, I think Sahi Thigala, who I always get wrong, so I won't be playing him, but <laughs> I think he is a good option. My favorite play in this range is probably Ricky Fowler. Um, I, I think Ricky, the fact that he's at eight flat is interesting, um, but he's gained strokes approaching the green in five straight events. Yeah. Uh, he has made every cut since the Zozo four in a row, uh, which includes a tied second, that wow. tied eleventh at the at the Farmers, and he's a past champion here, and and he's also played pretty well aside from that. So if you if you look at his recent form here, he missed the last two cuts. 
Well, we know the last two years what kind of shape his game was in. Yeah, we're um, we're well aware of that. You could see what he did on the greens, right? Losing two and three stroke. That's not Ricky Fowler esque. Um, but before that, this was really rather elite form. You have a win, a tied eleventh, a tied fourth, a second, um, another second way back in two thousand and ten. He, he can play a golf course like this uh, no doubt about it and i think his game is rounding into shape perhaps he uses a little bit of the uh justin rose influence of players on the comeback trail uh, and i see a lot of similarities there because i do see the trends building and fortunately i think the trends are building um in the in the right place for this specific event which is why I, I yeah I'm a I'm a big fan of Ricky Fowler. Already three top 11s this year. He's only or this season I should say. He's played six times. That's half of his starts. And the advanced metrics are certainly turning around. And yep. yeah, now he's going to probably the spot, probably the spot for him. Yeah, and I I don't think again similar to Justin Rose last week. I don't think there's one area of his game that's a huge problem. He's had weeks. I mean, of course, at the CJ Cup, the putting was a problem, um, but last week he gains over four strokes putting. Um, the short game hasn't been great. I, I think we all know how good he can be around the greens. I wouldn't consider that to be a problem. There, there's not really a red flag for me with Ricky's game. And he would be another part of this trend where, well, Jason Day is kind of on the comeback trail. Mm. Justin Rose, obviously, on the comeback trail. Uh, I, I think Ricky Fowler is a really nice addition to that mix. Ricky Fowler is $8,000 flat, so he's the cheapest in this range. Okay, Sia, how would you like to allocate your funds here? I'm so inspired to play Ricky Fowler because I feel like it's the Justin Rose argument that Greg made last week. I, I, I had no intention of playing Ricky Fowler, but I do see a trajectory that it's a, at least similar to Justin Rose's. And I, I think the vibes are are pretty good for Ricky Fowler. So I think that one's really interesting. And, and I also think what Greg said is really interesting, too, in terms of skipping this range, because because people want to grab a 10K and a 9K guy or whatever, two high 9K guys, let's say. This range is going to be skipped quite a bit. And I think if you can get somebody right in this range or maybe even play two guys in the 8K range, which nobody is going to do, if you can get – and it's going to be hard, right, because I don't like this range either, by the way. If you can get a couple of these guys right, I think you're really going to be doing wonders for yourself in uh, DFS. So I only have two guys I really have my eye on. I see you've picked uh, Sahith Tagala for me. I was he just wasn't, throwing it out there. <laughs> No, he wasn't one of them, but I don't hate okay. the upside. So here's, here's what I think about the 8K range. I think the 8K range has tremendous upside and a tremendously low floor. And I think Sahith Tagala is a really good illustration of, of what that might look like. I also think Sam Burns is a good illustration of that. I think Cameron Young is a good illustration of that, even Jordan Spieth. So this is one of those where you're kind of shooting for the moon because we know these guys have the potential, but I'm not really comfortable with anybody, including the two guys I like, which for the record are Cameron Young and Shane Lowry. I, I like that Shane Lowry is sort of off everybody's radar. And he's only 8,200, so it's it's a pretty good price. I think if he had played a couple of these events, we might see him at 8,700, 8,800 in this field. So I think we might be getting just a discount on Shane Lowry just as a result of the fact that we haven't seen him. Um, the the metrics aren't really you know screaming out at me. We see the European events more than the PGA Tour events because that's what he's been up to. But the approach game's been pretty solid overall. It's just everything else has been kind of up and down. But I think Lowry has some upside at 8,200 and he'll be he'll fit nicely into lineups because that's not a super expensive price tag. Uh, missed the cut to the Dubai Desert Classic. T28 with a good approach number in Dubai and was on the losing team at the Hero Cup. Those are his last three starts worldwide, all those European tour events. Uh, I pulled him up here, Greg. I don't get Sahith correct very often. I, I think Tori was probably not a great spot for him. He finished T4 and the metrics were awesome. Now he goes back to Phoenix where he was in it last year. Yeah, he's a really hard guy for me to figure out, too. Um, and again, I, I think, Rick, you've done a really good job of highlighting how his potential, you know, it, it rates out to one of the best yeah. players in the world. But the downside is, a, you know, a 6K guy. Right. Um, and, and that's a that that's a concern. Now he's your favorite player on tour. If you, if you find yourself on the right side of that, but I've had a hard time with him identifying what the, what that is, 
you know, is it, is it wide open golf courses? Well, no, sometimes, but no, I wouldn't consider this a wide open bombers paradise. There are some really important shots where you got to be fairly accurate. And I might say his weakness is his accuracy off the tee. So the things that when I look at his profile that I would kind of pair up with course fit don't fit he the results don't fit that has the potential to make a a superstar right um a a player who can win anywhere a player who is you know as you might say in football see a matchup proof right he he has that potential but i i don't see that yet um so there's there's a lot to like about him and if you're one of those if you're a sahith guy put him in your lineup um, I would not turn you away from that. I just always seem to be on the wrong side of that. So I will help you out. I will not play him. And that gives you, uh, I would say, probably a 63% chance that he um, that he actually turns out right. I love that. Uh, 7K range. The top is Jason Day, Billy Horschel, Siwoo Kim. It goes down to seven thousand dollars even oh look at these names putnam molinari english kurt kitayama taylor moore webb simpson sia you're up let's find some value as usual it's a large range so we're going to like a ton of people so i'm gonna limit it to let's ballpark it at four the guys that i like i'll start with jason day at 7,900. Listen, I, I just like how we, we talked about Ricky Fowler. We talked about Justin Rose over the last couple of weeks in terms of games emerging. And I think you could absolutely say the same thing about Jason Day. I mean, it's pretty obvious here when we look up, up if you're watching us on YouTube, the other than at the Farmers where the approach play, you know, took a dip. He's been pretty great on approach, pretty great off the tee around the green game could use a little bit of help there, obviously, but he, we know we can get hot with the putter. I think Jason Day is really interesting. I think he has... Um, I don't think he can win this tournament, to be honest, but I definitely think he has top 10, top five-ish potential uh, if he has a really good tournament. Corey Connors at 7,700 is interesting to me because I think the shine has come off Corey Connors a little bit, and people are, at at this point, people aren't nearly as apt to play Corey Connors. And because the 7K range is so deep, I just think he's going to be kind of like a lower-owned guy that I, he still does everything right. It's it's the putter that gets him. And on this course, you can be okay with a bad putter or you, can, you can't be okay with a bad putter, but you can be a bad putter and be okay is the right way to say that. Corey Connors rated out really well in the model that I ran. Two other names I'll give out. Um, Keith Mitchell. Listen, I mean, he showed up at Pebble, obviously, but he's got great history here. Over the last three years, he's got a 10th and a 16th place. Um, he's doing everything right. He, he gained across the board at Pebble, by the way. So it wasn't like like Taylor Pendrith was really kind of like a putter guy last week at Pebble, at least with the, the measured the rounds that we had. Uh, Keith Mitchell was kind of the opposite. He gained everywhere. He was very good. Like his history here. Uh, I, I like the course fit as well. The last guy as a cheap sort of fill-in, we talk about this guy a lot. Um, Trey Mullinax at 7,100. I think he's going to be, you know, relatively low owned. I don't think people really want to play Trey Mullinax on this course. Off the tee, it's been a disaster uh, for him as of late, which is super interesting. But again, I'm looking for upside. Uh, I'm looking for for scoring potential. And I think Trey Mullinex has it. it. It is a long shot. Look, don't get me wrong. But once you get down into that 7,100 and below range, you're looking at guys that, you know, you really have to make arguments for. Yeah, Trey Molinax, uh, WD'd from the Pebble Beach Pro-Am, but he, I think he was going to miss the cut anyway. It was one of mm-hmm. those deals. But you'll see, yeah, outside of just that recent start, he's been the metrics have been a lot better than what he showed at Pebble Beach. Okay, Greg, um, lots of guys here. Lots of interesting names. A couple of guys who've been in contention as of late. Where would you like to go? All right, I'll give you a couple of different names. Um, I got four names written down as well. Okay. The first one I'm going to go to is uh, Alex Noren. Yeah. I'm, I'm fascinated like by this. It do- doesn't seem like it does. The name doesn't jump off the page. When I go through these fields, I kind of go through. I have the idea of the perfect player for me, and I look for the names that strike me, and then I validate if they're true or not. Uh, and Alex Noren does not fit that camp. But boy, I'm I'm glad I checked out his stuff because it's phenomenal. Um, this is exactly the kind of profile that I believe 
works here. You you look at uh, the Houston Open. He gained seven strokes approaching the green. He uh, so he's gained in three out of the last four events approaching the green. But on the other side, in the event uh, like in Abu Dhabi, he finished tied fifth, losing strokes approaching the green. Uh, but he he gained nearly 10 strokes putting. So he has those two areas are really strong and he can go off in, in either one. And I think that's a really valuable skill set. I mean, these, um, these finishing positions are really impressive. A, a T4 at the Houston open, a second at the DP world tour championship, a tied fifth, uh, in Abu Dhabi. That's, that's impressive stuff. And he's sitting at 7,600. He's also played the PGA Tour plenty. He came and tied six here last year. Mm -hmm. So he doesn't have that. Like we talk about it with Thomas Dietrich, how impressed I am, how he um, has kind of crossed that border and continues to find success. Well, Noren did that a long time ago. So I'm a a big fan of Alex Noren. Um, And then a little more expensive than him. Uh, Siwoo Kim, I, I still think, is a really interesting play. Um, makes a lot of sense to me. I, I like what he's been doing on the greens, um, gaining strokes in his last three events. The last two, he's gained over over two, nearly three shots in both of them. Mm-hmm. Putting, which is a great sign. Uh, so after, after his win at the Sony Open, he got a tied 22nd and a tied 25th. Uh, and I think this is a, an event for the new Siwoo Kim that's that is a really good fit. Yeah. Um, and, and I know his record here of tie, well, I think tied 26 is his best, best ever finish here. It happened to be last year, but I, I think the course fits him now a little bit better than it has in the past. Um, Lastly, well, well considering the ahead. fact that it's been five straight years where he's lost strokes putting and now he's like using the broomstick and putting better, it's like, right, give me any of those, any of those other results and be a zero putter or gain one stroke with the putter and it would look a lot better, right? Right, and you kind of feel like you can just switch a lever, right? And well, if I do that, look what happens to the result, <laughs> right? It's golf, it's not that simple, but uh, I wish it was. Um, next up. I got JT Poston. Yeah. I I mean, this is, this has been really impressive for a lot of reasons to me. Tied six at the American express. Uh, Before that event, Rick, you talked about the three straight top uh, T 21s. Yeah. The streak ended because he, did much better. T Right. <laughs> right. Uh, so you're talking about four events in a row, gaining strokes, approaching the green, uh, five out of six, gain strokes, putting in three straight, which is fantastic. And he actually has a pretty good record here as well. Yeah, he's never missed the cut. He never missed the cut. You got um, back-to-back top 25s, T23 last year, T11 the year before that, uh, and a tied 26 in 2019. His worst finish is T37, and and I'm getting the sense that he's playing some really good golf right now. Uh, he's playing to his strengths, which is when when JT Poston plays well, it's his iron play, um, and the, the putter's cooperating at the same time. <laughs> Lastly, I don't have to spend much time on this, but I can't get through this range on a desert golf course without talking about the Desert Fox, uh, Adam Hadwin, mm-hmm. who is hitting the ball really nicely. It's uh, it's five out of the last six approaching the green. And this is not the American Express when you look at his record here, but he has never, he has not missed a cut since 2015 here. Um, and, and he, you know, he's got a T12, a T17. Last year was a T26 and some other kind of middle in results. But I think he's hitting the ball well. Another one of those Siwoo situations where those T50s, T40s, um, he lost strokes approaching the green there. And I think he's going to hit the ball a lot better this week. The $6,000 range, uh, lots of names. Bo Hostler, Cam Champ, Luke List, amongst others, at the top 6900 And the min-priced golfers, Robert Streb, Ricky Barnes in on a sponsor's invite, Jason Duffner, Max McGreevy. Uh, let's move a little quickly here, Sia. Let's, who do we have out of the $6,000 range? A couple guys I like. Uh, I was going to say David Lipsky. I'm kind of lukewarm on that, though. Uh, I'm lukewarm on a lot of the guys in this range. Uh, Emiliano Grillo, I think, is interesting at 6,700. That's another guy that you know people aren't really paying too much attention to for good reason. The play hasn't been great. He also hasn't been playing a ton, although I guess he did play. Oh, I didn't realize that. 
that he played three of the last, I guess that would be four tournaments. Uh, but again, I, I, I like, I think he's actually a pretty good course fit. I think he can get the putter going at this specific course. He's added some length off the tee over the last year or so. Um, and I think the approach play when it's dialed in, which it hasn't been granted, but when it's dialed in, um, there's some upside there for him. The other guy, Johnny Vegas, who we, uh, another guy that we didn't see a ton of, he's at 6,700, just like Grillo. Um, he, he missed the cut at the Amex, but he actually struck the ball pretty well. And at he the missed, farmers, he got yeah, go robbed. Ahead. He got robbed at the American express. He, he, he gained a stroke and a half and missed the cut. That's the, the only way you can do that is a, a three course rotation where you get, or a two course rotation where you just get the absolute wrong end of the draw. So he gains a stroke and a half in three rounds, doesn't make the cut. And then was was great at the farmers he missed time see uh he had shoulder surgery he's back now. that's what it was right yeah. and so if you look at the ball striking which again we're, we're looking at it in this case and you even look at the around the green gameplay i mean johnny vegas even after that shoulder surgery he's he's been checking those boxes in a limited sample size and he does appear to be a pretty good course fit here so he's another guy i like at 6700 yeah, see, that's a pretty good. It's a pretty good price. Always been a great driver of the golf ball, um, and he's flashing it now in just a handful of rounds in 2023. Okay, Greg, um, your opportunity to find us some cheapies. Um, I think Vegas is a great idea, Sia. So I like that one. Um, who, why don't you click on the name Sam Ryder? Okay. Uh, made good famous boy. at this event last year. Uh, one of the reasons was the hole in one he made at number 16. But just look at this board. And if you're watching on YouTube, you can see that. Look how pale it is. Oh, the pale guy. <laughs> the pale guy. Oh, so pale. I'm playing him. <laughs> but, uh, but on a more serious note, if you zone in on the approach play, just like I have with about everybody on the board here, it's been really good. The results haven't necessarily led to it, but you've had some really, really good approach. He's gained strokes in seven of eight events approaching the green and everything else has been okay. So even those missed cuts are not, he's, he's closer than that looks. He is a 6K guy. Um, he's also never missed the cut here. Four events, best finishes at T23, um, but I, I, which was last year. I think it could be a good place for him. Um, I'll give you a couple of other names quickly. One would be uh, Grayson Sig, who is, I believe, at 6,400. And Grayson Sig is uh, another guy. Just uh, I'm on him for approach play. Uh, it's four in a row approaching the green. Um, and, and the putting is... What is that? Seven, uh, seven of, out of his last eight. He so, was also on that. He was in the same wave as Johnny Vegas. They they gained a stroke and a half to the field and missed the cut at the American Express. Yeah, and and that's kind of the one blemish of late. Now, not a whole ton of upside, but uh, another one down here. This is as low as I think I'm willing to go, and I think this is another guy in the Cien Najad fan club. But uh, James Hahn, yes. Sia loves him. It's another one. I'll tell you. I played him last week. It it didn't work out super well, but I like Um, it. It's 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 fairly pale. There's maybe a little a little more red that I'd like put in. uh, I'll tell the annual James Hahn Phoenix story here very quickly. So it was 2021. Uh, James Hahn is making a run on Sunday. He's he's at like the eighth or the ninth hole, and he's like one off the lead or two off the lead. And I'm scrolling through Caesars live odds and they've got the players listed and they don't have James Hahn listed and they have an option for any other player or the field at like 150 to one. And I'm like, well, they screwed this up. They forgot about James (laughs) Hahn. He's one off the lead. Um, I start getting down. I start getting down bucks and he and then he gets up like two or three shots. So now yep. it gets to the point. Yeah, it gets I, to the I, point. I like the tenth hole. Yes, yep. it gets to the point where where Caesars realizes they've screwed this up because now the field is the favorite. The field is like minus one fifty <laughs> from one hundred and fifty to one, and I'm I'm in I'm in it. Like I'm I'm in this. He finds the water on ten. He just he vomits all over himself coming in. He finishes. And never, I'm just like sick to my stomach thinking about James Hahn and Phoenix. 
I yeah. had a ticket on him from the day before at 80 to one. So I was, uh, you know, you had a better number than me, obviously, but we both had a lot on the line there. And when he made the turn, I was like, Hey, th- this is something this has. And then I think it was like three holes in a row where it was a complete disaster. It was just, it was bad shot, mistake, mental mistake, bad shot. It was just over and over and over again. <laughs> Yeah, but he he does have in a DFS situation at sixty three hundred. He does have four top twenty five finishes here. Yeah, in his time, and I think he's sitting it pretty nice. So I'm uh I'm I'm not usually a big fan, but I'm not afraid of it in this case, especially if it helps you get one of those top three guys in there. Anybody else quickly in the six K range that we need to talk about? I'll mention Steven Yeager. I think he's worth mentioning in the six K range. Yeager bomb. Okay. Uh, all right, let's fire up the strokes gain narrative lineups. I was looking over these earlier and boy, these guys are putting me to hard, putting me to work here. <laughs> so the model maniac, uh, obviously is going with a drinking game. I mean, listen, there's going to be a lot of drinking. There's going to be a lot of double fisting in Phoenix this week. Uh, so he has gone with Jason day drinking. Great. Kelly craft beer. Love it. Kramer Hiccup. <laughs> Strong. Tyler Drunken. Tyler Duncan. This is my favorite one. Ricky Growler. <laughs> and then he put the red X emoji next to Tom Kim because Tom Kim's only 20 years old. Tom Kim <laughs> has two PGA Tour wins. Cannot celebrate with a drink this week in Phoenix. Wow. If, I see, if I see Tom Kim at dinner and say, hey, Tom, let me buy you a drink. Yeah, sorry, I'm only 20. Uh, legally, I have to turn that down. Unbelievable. How we know he'll that? be fresh for day two, day three, and day four. That's, That's right. The upside. And, and day one. And, and day, day one. one. Ryan uh, at Fantasy Bunker says, we head to Phoenix, home of my go-to NBA jam team, the Suns. So he has created some NBA squads with golfer names, like, for example, the Patrick Los Angeles Cant Lakers. <laughs> <laughs> the Dallas Mavericks McNeely. Nice. The, here you go, Greg. Kevin Utah yes. Jazz. That's not, that's real nice. He played great last week, by the way. Yep. Yeah, he did. Mackenzie Houston Rockets. <laughs> this might be my favorite, like the favorite, my favorite one we've ever done. Yeah, these are really good. Orlando Magic. Griffin. <laughs> I think Lonto just uh, withdrew, by the way. He did. Yeah. So, okay. And the Golden State Roriers. <laughs> that's awesome. Rory McElroy. <laughs> that's that's my favorite ever. I think. Yeah. It's phenomenal. It's easy to understand. It, they yes. all flow. It's great. Let me tell you what's not easy to understand. That's what John Markowski put us through here. So this is about as creative as you can get, but my God, John. So waste management, or I think now they go by WM. It's a recycling they company. Do. Yeah. So John has recycled golfer names. This is actually a category on Jeopardy, I believe, too, where they take something, they scramble up the letters, mm-hmm. make something else, and then you have to figure out what it is. So he has... <laughs> I guess see a turn like Woody Garland. Okay, that's Gary Woodland. That's Gary Woodland. Yeah. Okay. But and, also a country singer. But also now his new career is a country singer. DJ Fun Reason. No idea. I, I actually don't know who that is. Everybody listening, you're gonna have to crack that. How code many guys could that be? Us. It has a J, it has an F. I, I mean, thought it, it was Jason Day, but it's it's Jason Duffner. Uh, uh, Jake Scott, thank you very much. Jason strong. Duffner. Thank you, Jake. As a rapper. <laughs> that's funny. Royalty, <laughs> Sir Glenn Harris, which I think we solved. Mm-hmm. Harris. Harris English. Yeah. 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 Uh, Chippendale's Dancer, DD Romance. That's, I think, Doc Redmond. I think that I yes that, yeah that add up that has up? to be yeah yeah it adds up. How about this for a career, a serial killer? Do you get paid for that? Do you usually get paid to be a serial killer, John? <laughs> well, it depends on what kind of trophies you keep. That's true. Yeah, or uh, maybe you can get hired. <laughs> yeah, man, just got dark. Henry Lee Souls. Who's this? 
Oh, I forgot. Oh, uh, it's Russell Henley. Russell Henley. Okay, yeah, yeah. good. Sorry, one. Russ, you're now a serial killer. <laughs> yeah. And wow. in his new career in insurance sales, Roy Wheelins, which we decided was who. I forget. Let's go to the chat. What? Are, what's Roy Wheelins? Roy yeah, I need help. That's a brain. I need to do more of that brain. That kind of brain exercise. This, when this comes on Jeopardy, I'm like, I have no idea. It's I, you could, so hard for me. I could my own name could be up there, and I literally <laughs> could not figure it out. Who, yeah, I, Shane Lowry. Oh, there we go. Yeah, we knew that. Jake yeah. is good at this. Yeah, thanks, Jake. Jake Very from State good. Farm. Jake from Jake, State Farm, who's also oh, in insurance yeah. sales. Jake is. Oh, they work together. That's Jake right. should go on Jeopardy. Is where he should go because he'd be crushing this game. All right, Jets. Um, let me put a bow on this. Go and get your. One and done's in. That applies to you, the fans. The link is in the description. And it also applies to you, Sia Najad, to get your selection in. Because at 8 a.m. Eastern time on Tuesday, Patrick and I will be mega preview potting Phoenix. And then I'm headed to Phoenix. Kyle's headed to Phoenix. Mark will already be there. And Greg, we kind of talked about this a little bit on Sunday. They are telling us that we are going to be able to pod live from the stage with Joe Musso and Kyle Porter into this YouTube channel. I'll believe it when I see it, but that's what they're telling us we're going to do. I uh, can't wait to see what kind of environment we have. Uh, Cause that could be, you're on, you're on a, you got Kyle Porter on a stage. A I mean, stage. the 16th like hole is going to be empty. They're all going to flood there. <laughs> it's like 20 by 20. Yeah. We're going to have line. You think the line at 16 is long. Wait until they see <laughs> the, the hot take line for Kyle Porter. You're going to have, you're going to miss the entire, I mean, you're going to miss the last three holes. Cause you got to get in line to get a seat. Yeah. As you should it's worth it. Yeah. Worth it. So in we'll all see. seriousness, it's an impressive set. Everybody should watch all of that. Have you, it, it, I cannot wait for this. It's it's apparently the stage is right between the driving range and 16, the stadium hole at 16, apparently, from what I understand. I've, I've not been there, or see, but I saw it on a map. It's so, going to be raucous. Yeah. Uh, it, it'll be like college game day. Somebody bring, us, bring some signs and stand behind us. Uh, yell things into the crowd. Yeah, let, we'll see. We'll see. I don't know. I'm stoked about it. All right. Producer Troy, thank you kindly. Does all the hard work behind the scenes. Greg Ducharme at the real GFD. Sia Najad at Sia Najad. You can find me at Rick Run Good. This has been the first cut. We'll catch you next time.